0: Hello, and welcome to the Medical Device Success Podcast. I am Ted Newell, your host. The goal of this podcast is to contribute to your success and, in turn, help you contribute to the success of your medtech company. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today. This is a crazy time to start a podcast with the coronavirus dominating the news. However, There are important things we medical device professionals can be doing in this altered landscape of strategies and tactics for marketing, sales, and operations. So, working in the era of the coronavirus, hopefully a short era, will be the subject of this first season of episodes. Let's get started. The subject of today's podcast is Selling Medical Devices in a COVID-19 World. Before we get to that, just a little news about the Medical Device Success Podcast. It has been downloaded in 65 countries. This was an eye-opening discovery for me when I was poking around my download statistics. Not long ago, a French listener asked if I offered transcripts, and at the moment I don't, but with this new discovery, I will. This week, I will start making transcripts of past podcasts, starting with the one she asked about. On to the subject matter. The selling landscape for medical devices has changed significantly and continues to change. Some of these changes may be long-term. By that, I mean 18 months or more. To help explore this subject matter, Becca Keel of the Bixel Medical Marketing Group joins me to share some of the insights that she gathered while researching the subject for a blog post. Becca is a leader in strategic communications and management. She has nearly 25 years experience spearheading the development and execution of successful marketing initiatives, from comprehensive programs that build and enhance brand recognition to equipping commercial teams for optimal performance. And she has a favorite quote, There's a way to do it better, find it, by Thomas Edison. Becca Keel, it's really nice to have you on the podcast today.
1: Hi, Ted. Thanks so much for having me um, for what has really shaped up to be a very timely um, podcast series that you're doing. And um, I've enjoyed the previous ones you've done so far. And um, you've really cultivated a team of experts to to guide you on this important topic. And I'm I'm honored to be included.
0: Well, it's terrific to have you here. So let's go back and set the stage and review some of the data points that I talked about in my future podcast. Not to get in a lot of detail, but essentially what it boiled down to is that doctors are going to be less likely to want to see sales reps in their practices because we are going to have procedures that will have to follow to go in and out of a doctor's practice. And so I think a lot of doctors are going to cut way back on sales reps in the practice. And then hospitals are also going to cut back on having salespeople in the hospital, except some specialty salespeople that are critically important. You know, last week I was talking to a couple ENT surgical reps that are frequently in the operating room with their doctors. The point they made to me was this is just going to be another excuse for the hospital not to let them in uh, the building. Surgical reps sort of rely on the camaraderie in the operating room to be able to meet doctors and create relationships with them, and that's going to be gone, possibly out the window for a large category of medical devices. So the doctors will be more restrictive. The hospitals and clinics will be more restrictive. And so our traditional way of gathering leads and you know, creating a sales funnel and going through a sales process is is going to change.
1: Yeah, that's so, so true, especially for the sales reps who um, are, you know, all over the country and their territories or even internationally. And their job has been, you know, to, to sell and meet people and make relationships. And that has in the past, you know, typically involved, you know, as many as three, four days Actually, out with customers in hospitals, in clinics, in private practice, and then and now they can't they can't do that. So how are they continuing to be relevant and uh, be available as needed to their customers?
0: Right. So let's start at the top of the funnel. You know, traditionally a sales rep would go out and do a fair amount of prospecting on their own to find potential customers and then also service their current customers. They would be doing this in the field on their own. And they would get some leads from trade shows or from uh, maybe marketing activity advertisements from the company's website and so on. Now that's changed a lot. So if we start at the funnel, where the reps are trying to get actionable leads. And so an actionable lead is a really good lead where somebody wants to talk to them and talk about the product and the value proposition they have in mind. That's all changed. You had some interesting insights on that in your in the blog post that you've been writing.
1: Yes. so you know if you think of sales in terms of a three-legged stool, and their opportunities to engage with their customers and fill that funnel. Um, it's kind of three-pronged. You've got, well, it's a three-legged stool. So, you know, one of those legs would be, you know, the big industry events and trade shows where they're they're going and they're um, meeting people in their booth or they're holding in booth theaters or, you know, presenting different clinical data. That is a big part of how a sales representative would generate leads, and then be able to kind of move them through the funnel, qualify them, see if they're really interested in in the product, and then maybe make an appointment to go out to their hospital or clinic and see them to talk more about it. Um, so no events and trade shows, at least for the foreseeable future. Um, a second, you know, like we've been talking about so far in this podcast is really, you know, being out there in the field, in the hospitals, meeting with people, supporting customers. And more than that, it's, you know, when you're talking about generating leads, you know, you may you may have done your market research and you know that a particular hospital is doing a lot of the procedures that, you know, your your widget works with or a, a certain physician, you know, that they do a lot of those procedures. And so, you know, you want to go to that hospital, you want to get on the floor and, and talk to people, find out you know, who's in charge, who really makes the decision? Um, what's what's my reasonable chance of being able to move my device into this place? And those, those conversations are so important because of not only the verbal exchange of information, but the nonverbal as well, and the anecdotal things that happen um, on the side of those, you know, where you get the information about, how hard is it to navigate the value analysis committee here or who really makes the decisions and, you know, when is your fiscal year end? And, you know, all of those kinds of things that you would typically just have as, you know, casual conversations in a hospital when you're prospecting, that's, that's gone as well. So we're, we're left with what's left. And that's the final leg of our stool, which is really just the virtual touches that we can make by phone calls or emails or, you know, using the internet to the fullest ability through webinars and, um, you know, podcasts like this. And, you know, all of the other platforms that had in the past typically supplemented those, or at least enhanced those other two prongs of the face-to-face touch. And, And that's really all that's left. So we need to figure out how can we prop up our stool with two of its legs at least temporarily broken.
0: Right. That's a precarious position. We're trying to sit on a stool with one leg.
1: That's exactly right. It doesn't work very well.
0: So one thing I thought about, uh, because I'm thinking, well, what can the sales rep do on their own to try to make up for some of this? And then what can um, the company help the sales rep with? And so one thing I thought about was maybe a more robust manner of using something like LinkedIn to contact prospects. And if they're going to do that, and I've seen a lot of companies really improve their LinkedIn interaction, then a company really has to have a strategy for that. They have to you know, revise the sales rep's profile, make sure it looks professional, has the right picture, has the right logo, and so on and so forth. So that's one way to do it. And some of the advantages of LinkedIn is that a LinkedIn mail goes right into a customer's email box. Um, it is not; It does not go into spam the way LinkedIn manages these things. So that's one thing. But then you also had talked about perhaps small group meetings. I, I don't know. Maybe that's something the rep can organize, small virtual group meetings, or maybe it's something the marketing people have to support.
1: You know, I'll just kind of pause right there and, and tell you about an interesting conversation that I had with a physician this week, just kinda to to set the the stage a little and and give a little bit of hope around this topic. I was so humbled by the conversation because it was a physician who I've worked with uh, for several years and he expressed to me how deeply saddened that he is for his friends on the industry side and that he and his colleagues other physicians have recently been having these conversations about the importance of industry to them and the other is you know a lot of these physicians have such close relationships with their industry representatives that it's it's their friend it's their friend who may have been furloughed or laid off or you know is just is is suffering at this time and his message to me was, you know, we we feel that and we are saddened by it and we want the reps to know that we are here and we are thinking about them, even though we can't have our regular conversations right now. And I thought that that was just so powerful because, you know, we, we do kind of lose sight sometimes of the joint relationship between industry and physicians. And it's it's very much two-sided and they need industry and sales reps as much as sales reps need them in their business.
0: That's a great story because it's true. A lot of these doctors look at their sales reps as consultants and consultant partners and also friends because you're sort of in there in the same boat making sure that the doctor gets a good outcome, and he knows that. He knows that's what's on your mind as a rep with whatever product you're selling. So I, that's, a, that's a great story, Becca. I'm glad to hear that. And it almost makes me wonder if on the prospecting side, if that means that one opportunity for a sales rep, especially with doctors that he knows well— is to either meet the doctor at the beginning of the day in their practice or at a coffee shop nearby someplace where he may not uh, be perceived as a threat to the clean environment of the office. There might be some opportunities like that, but still if you only have one opportunity like that a day, it's not like calling on you know five or six or seven practices a day.
1: Right. And, and everyone's time is a little bit different right now. And we're all trying to figure out what the future landscape is going to be. But, you know, another thing that they can really do is just embrace, embrace this technology and get ahead of it. One of the most critical things that a medical device company can be doing right now. And this is where marketing really needs to work with their sales teams to figure out what are the best ways to do this. But just one one thing that is relatively simple but would probably have one of the biggest impacts would be to bring together people virtually in small group settings, such as a webinar. Have it be peer-led, not industry-led. No one wants to be sold to. So it's really focusing on the clinical aspects, you know, identify one of your key users and invite him to host a webinar on your behalf. So if you were to invite a small group of physicians to hear um, one of the people that they hold in high regard in their field, you know, the key opinion leaders, the thought leaders, and have them really drive the conversation and keep it to valuable content that's peer-driven and very clinically focused. Um, You know, one thing to really keep in mind, and in physicians that I've talked to, they're suffering in a couple of ways. Suffering might be a a strong word, but two things that they're really missing right now is education. Um, Physicians typically love to hear what's new, what's happening in my field. They're, They're readers, they're listeners, they're you know they're they're just trying to take it all in um, as readily as they can, and with trade shows and their industry conferences and and other seminars and things where they would typically get their CME credits, um, those things are are not happening right now, and so they're a little bit starved for that educational aspect. The other thing that they're really missing is the peer interaction with. Um, their colleagues in the field from across the country. So that, to the extent that you can combine those two things and bring people together to have peer-driven education that gives them an opportunity to learn and interact with each other, um, that's, that's just gold and, and so simple um, to do. And replicate, You know, don't, don't make it a one-shot deal. Set it up for biweekly or or monthly and really create demand.
0: I think that's a great idea. And I like the idea of putting it on a schedule, maybe getting one or two key opinion leaders to commit to one or two nights a week um, or afternoons, whatever the most convenient time is. And if the rep can be the one that moderates it in a professional way with five or six doctors attending, I think it will really make the rep look good. It'll make them look professional and strong and in control and it'll, it'll help continue to build the rapport and their reputation in the eyes of these doctors.
1: I couldn't agree more.
0: Of course, the next thing that maybe the marketing department thinks about or the sales department thinks about is the honorariums. They would have to pay these key opinion leaders to participate in these calls. Just remember that trade shows have been canceled and they are expensive and the money that has been saved in travel, rooms, meals, exhibit space, drage fees, and so on, that can be easily applied to this effort and you can get a good return on it. Okay, so in the lead development area, we've talked about the change in prospecting. You know, perhaps something somebody could use would be LinkedIn. Um, They could do small group virtual meetings with a local key opinion leader in attendance to present valuable peer data to the doctors. It's doctor to doctor, which everybody likes and is typically very powerful. Um, We've also talked, well, one thing we haven't talked about, excuse me, one thing that we have not talked about is the potential of larger webinars for um, subject matter that's important to the product in mind. And I've seen a lot of companies ramping up the webinar schedules right now, and especially in ophthalmology, they're offering them left and right. Um, and people register for the webinar, and if somebody registers, well, then you have all their information and you have an actionable lead that you can follow up on. So larger webinars are also an opportunity for a medical device company, and even for small to medium-sized companies webinars are not that expensive especially in comparison to trade show activities so it's something you can budget
1: absolutely and by the time you figure in travel and um, you know hotel costs and if you're having a, a smaller say a users group meeting or something you're paying an honorarium for those physicians to attend anyway plus you're pay, paying for their travel your staff travel your food and beverage minimums, I mean, all of those things that go into holding an onsite meeting. So there's definitely some money there to repurpose. So we had um, a situation where a client of ours was planning for a medical advisory board meeting. And while this isn't directly related to sales, it's all kind of relative. It's all it's all commercialization. And the medical advisory board meeting, it was their inaugural one. It's a startup company going um you know launching their their assay this year they were supposed to have their big coming out at the large trade show for the industry in the spring and of course those things aren't happening but this medical advisory board meeting was incredibly important to them postponing until an indefinite amount of time say fall when they could get these people together just really would have put them farther behind in their commercialization efforts than they had planned. And this meeting was to be held the weekend right before everything went into lockdown. Do we still hold this meeting? Do we postpone? How effective will it be if we have a video conference? And you know, cause we had planned this meeting to be in person. Well, here's the good news with that. They decided that their commercialization efforts were too important to postpone. And they had a great group of physicians who said, yeah, absolutely. I, I am still will, willing to do this with you. Um, and they had a great meeting. The technology, not seamless, but it worked well. And they were able to get the information that they needed And I think as people start to do more things like that out of necessity in this COVID era, they're going to see, wow, that was productive and easy. And so the future may have a lot more of these not large, but not small user group meetings or customer meetings or KOL meetings or, you know, whatever it is.
0: I agree. That's good. And then one final thing is that the marketing team has to really look hard at their, you know, their e-advertising, their email advertising, their social media, their website, and make sure there are ways to engage people to capture leads, you know, good landing pages for um, email marketing campaigns and such. I frequently see people waste this effort that would be another thing is to take a hard look at that. Sure, it's gonna cost a little more money to look at that, but again, you're saving money in other places, and if it helps you get sales, that's very, very important. So let's move on to the sales process. So we've just talked about lead developing, getting actionable leads, and now now we have some leads in the hands of the sales reps, and now it's time for them to start the sales process and try to generate a sale. The traditional sales process is typically anywhere from five to eight steps, depending on your company and what you do and the kind of product you have. And Some are very simple sales processes and some are very complicated, but it sort of boils down to prospecting, preparation, a first meeting, a solution presentation, and part of that might be a product demonstration that's hands-on. We've always, we, A lot of us have done those in doctor's practices. Then you have to handle the objections, reinforce the solution that you offered, and then gain agreement. And finally, you want to close. And then you have to follow up after the closing. So that would be your traditional, uh, typical sales process. That's going to be, you know, changed, you know, depending on the product that you have. Now we have the COVID sales process where we have significantly reduced face-to-face time and personal interaction and it really puts the sales reps at a disadvantage. We've talked a little bit about prospecting, how we're gonna correct for that by getting, you know, leads at the beginning of the funnel. We just spent some time on that. Now we gotta get into preparation and interaction and contact with a customer. Becca, what do you think about a couple of these next steps in the sales process? You know, the preparation for the call. Uh, setting the the call or the virtual call up and and the virtual meeting
1: well, the good news is is that there's a lot of infrastructure already in place. This is where marketing teams really need to step up, and sales teams should work with your marketing departments to figure out what you need and how you can deliver it in a virtual environment. It's really a time of where you have such opportunity to create demand generation, and the extent to which a marketing team can put together an integrated online presence that a salesperson can pull from, I would really look to marketing departments to beef up their virtual and digital infrastructure so that salespeople can pull down the things that they need. And what do I mean by that? So one of the things that we were talking about earlier was having webinars in place of, you know, those smaller group meetings and replicating those. So one of the things that's wonderful about a digital platform is your ability to be able to capture those and repurpose them. So if it were me and I just got done holding a user group meeting where we had such a robust discussion and... You know, one of the things that I might do would be to republish that, you know, as it is, as a on-demand replay webinar where people can hear the content and discussion.
0: I like that. I I like that idea because that could be something a rep would send out to a doctor via email as he's trying to engage this doctor in a one-on-one virtual presentation, and as part of the sales process, he could say something like. I know you were busy the other day and couldn't attend this program, but here's a recording of it and I thought you'd be interested. And now he's he's presented something of value to the doctor. The doctor can review it. He, the rep can follow up and then see if he can close the doctor, at least on getting a virtual presentation, a, a one-on-one virtual presentation.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. There's such an opportunity to be able to show up in someone's inbox with such robust content right now that you've repurposed into a digital platform. You know, the webinar is one example. Another is if you had, um, so, you know, something that you might have typically discussed in person or presented on a piece of paper and left behind, take, for example, a case study, you know, a, a great case that you had with wonderful patient outcomes and, and here was the patient Here was how we presented and this is what we were able to do and, and turn that into something like a podcast, just like this, where someone can, instead of sitting down and reading it, they can listen to
0: it. That's a really great idea, Becca, because a lot of people tend not to want to read stuff, sit and read, but they'll listen, they'll listen to a podcast or they'll watch a video. You could put a white paper on video or put it in a podcast. I think that's a terrific idea of a different type of material or collateral that a sales rep could utilize in engaging um, a doctor or some other kind of specialist. Another thing that came across my email the other day was somebody sent me an email with a video clip in it to get my attention. And there it was, the face of the individual with this video clip and the little arrow. So you know that, oh, if I click on that arrow, this little video is going to come alive. And if I know who that individual is, so let's say it's one of these sales reps that has a reasonably decent reputation with the customers in his area and the prospects in his area, and they get this little video clip as opposed to a dry little email, and it just has to be 10 or 12 or 15 seconds. And the doctor clicks on that, and the sales rep says, Hey, Dr. Jones, this is Mark. Great to see you. I was wondering if you would have time to... Talk to me in the next couple days about ABC product because we've we've changed a couple things that I think you'll find interesting. And now it's just so engaging. And there's actual person there as opposed to print on a computer screen. And I just thought it was a great idea. I mentioned it to a, um, a an orthopedic rep uh, this week that called me asking for advice, and I told him about this clip, and he just thought that was the greatest thing since sliced bread, and he's going to be doing it.
1: Well, and I, I, you know, I don't want to speak for you, but having a video come through your inbox as opposed to text, it probably piqued your interest. Oh yeah. You, oh, yeah. You were curious and wanted to hear what he had to say because that is such a novel approach. Not that videos are, but certainly embedded in an email where you would have someone talking to you and communicating what they would have said in an email.
0: You know, and, and also back to the concept of the video clip, you know, when we're talking about the preparation stage of the sales process and the you know the, the needs assessment, which would be a virtual meeting to understand the needs of the customer or the prospect, you always have to be sensitive in this particular time. And you can judge it as you go on, but the video clip could start out with, you know, Dr. Jones, I was hoping that, um, that you and your loved ones and your colleagues are all healthy but I had this that I wanted to communicate to you. So start out always by asking how they're doing. And if you have a virtual meeting, if when you progress to the virtual meeting with the doctor, be sensitive, always start asking them how they're doing. And then also you could ask them, is there anything I can do for you or our company can do for you? Just start like that. Just a really empathetic introduction to the conversation before you dive into your virtual slide presentation.
1: That is so true. You know, being mindful of the fact that even if it's not a specialty that's necessarily overly busy on the front lines right now, you know, I'm not talking about internal medicine or emergency care or anything like that. I'm talking about orthopedics, gastroenterology, you know, some of the other industries that might be a little bit slower right now. It is a great time to reach out to them um, and engage because they may have extra time on their hands and be more receptive to talking to you.
0: Absolutely. So, okay, let's say we've got our virtual meeting set up uh, where we want to do our needs assessment and understand if our product has a value proposition that's interesting to the doctor. So we connect virtually and I just encourage people to use a platform that is really good for presenting slides, videos, and or sharing documentation. Make sure that you're prepared. Use some of the PowerPoint tools like Zoom editing and laser pointers to execute a really professional presentation so that you can demonstrate the benefits that are important to the doctor. You can demonstrate those clearly and practice, 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 practice in advance so you're really confident on using these different tools and you don't look like you're stumbling around during the the presentation.
1: That's a great point. And I don't know if you want to include it in the show notes, but uh, at Bixel Medical Marketing Group, we recently put out a webinar. I think it's actually going live today. The Art of Hosting Virtual Meetings that gives some tips and tricks, but really giving you some context around you know, who to invite, what should your content be, how can you make it slick and professional, and what other pre-, during-, and post-meeting considerations do you need to make?
0: Okay, then we've got the uh, virtual solution presentation. So during the needs assessment, the rep has uncovered a couple needs that his benefits will address. So he's got to do a virtual um, solution presentation. If he has time in this first call, fine. If he doesn't, he just needs to reschedule another virtual presentation. And then here's something that's really interesting that I just learned the other day. Depending on the kind of product you have, you could actually do a, a product demonstration online. And maybe it's a, a video, or if it's something where you want to give the doctor or the technician control, there is some software that allows you to do that, where they can actually take control of of the computer, of the device, and actually do run the device a little bit. And so it could be a way to actually engage people much more closely um, online. A good example would be a full-field perimeter in ophthalmology, um, especially if it is run by a PC. You can take that PC over and run the full-field perimetry tests and see what the results are. So. That is something people should explore depending on the kind of product they have. Um, Then the next thing we wanna do in the process, of course, we're gonna handle the objections virtually. That'll be a conversation. You know, reinforce the solution and gain agreement. And of course, you're gonna close. And finally, you have to follow up. And those are the same as your traditional sales process except this is all being done virtually. One of the things you had talked about was virtual procedure support. And that's important because one of the things that we're going to to be losing a little bit, maybe a lot, is the ability for a sales representative to go into the hospital or clinic and help provide guidance as to how their product's assembled or how it's used, you know, any kind of coaching that's required. That may go by the wayside for some time. But you uncovered a couple interesting technologies,
1: I did. And I think that the good news is, is that there are some good resources out there. Um, it's just taken this emergent situation to pull it to the for- forefront of, you know, if we're not allowed in procedure rooms, how do we do our business? But I do believe that anything you do now to put your infrastructure in place, to be able to remotely support procedures will serve you well not only now and in the future. And this is this is a this is a big area for sales reps where they're really feeling that they need to do something and it's it's twofold. You know, yes, a sales representative being in the procedure room, you know, they may very well have more experience with their widget whatever it may be for that procedure than even the surgeon and so they're valuable there and the physicians really recognize their value so it's not a situation of where reps are trying to push in unwelcomely there's a real need there in supporting cases not only from a patient outcome perspective which is definitely the most important aspect but from a revenue standpoint for the company and the sales rep as well. So finding ways to still be able to have those procedures, even if you can't be physically there, is vitally important.
0: You had a couple interesting stories, though, in this particular subject. Um... I do. I, I,
1: I, I reached out to some of my colleagues and said, you know, really, what are you doing? What are, what is your thinking around this right now? And I had a few anecdotal stories shared with me, one from a company and they used Zoom to do procedure support. And granted this procedure, the, the support really came more on the front end of setting up, the device so that it could be ready for use. So Zoom worked very well in that situations, but there are definitely some procedures, I'm thinking cardiology or orthopedics, where, you know, cardiology for one, you've got such a significant surgery going on that, you know, maybe just being on a phone by Zoom isn't sufficient enough, or the field of orthopedics where You know, there could be 300 screws or wrenches or, you know, whatever it is um, that you really need to be more present in the procedure room. So I, in my research, I uncovered this company called Proximi and they are both HIPAA and GDPR compliant. This is their business is to provide real-time collaboration from anywhere in the world And when they started in 2016, it was really for a focus of clinician-to-clinician collaboration. And it's evolved into a platform where a medical device rep in the United States can actually contribute to a procedure that's happening across the world, which is something that recently happened. A cardiologist in Beirut remotely collaborated with an expert in Copenhagen. And the device that they were using was um, a, a relatively new device on the market and hadn't had a lot of use by the surgeon. And so he really wanted some support from his medical device industry team. So they were able to patch in as well. What was really effective about this procedure and how they were able to collaborate is that the people who were outside of the procedure room across the world could actually see and hear everything occurring in the procedure room from a surgical view standpoint. So they're they're seeing the heart. And then what they can also do is from their desk, they can reach in their hand and point or do annotations on the screen to say, you know, I would cut here, I, you know, what's over here, um, you know, and just really help guide the procedure in a meaningful way.
0: Yeah, that was a really cool technology. And you were kind enough to connect them with me. And we had a really interesting conversation on Monday as uh, to learn more about it. But I think you're absolutely right. a technology like this, maybe there's going going to be some competition, but it may give a, a technical surgical sales rep the ability to go into the operating room and provide assistance without really being there, but still provide, you know, critical assistance. And or if a company has a key opinion leader that is going to help proctor one of their customers um, or a new customer, this is a way to do it.
1: Well, and that's such a great point. And I would be remiss if I didn't also mention that one of the things that struck me about this platform is that it's software based and hardware agnostic. So it's a plug and play system that doesn't require a lot of setup Um, and very nominal fee.
0: Right. And I think another important thing you said is it is it is video or or system agnostic. So all the Striker reps out there and Arthrex reps and Zimmer reps that have been selling these video towers in the operating room. This does not replace those. This is actually an adjunct to them. It just plugs right into those programs and allows their videos to be used, um, with the proxy systems.
1: As near as I can tell, in addition to just plugging into what you already have existing, the only thing you may need to obtain would be a second monitor. And that would be so that you've got your surgical field of view on one monitor. And then on another monitor that you're also looking at, you've got the proximity view where you're seeing the surgery, you're seeing the annotation, you're, you know, you're, you're seeing what the person across the world is seeing as well. And, and they're seeing what you're seeing.
0: Right, right. Great. So What we have done in this call is we started by, you know, looking at the current situation. We started at the top of the funnel with lead development, talked about the sales process, and then the last thing we talked about, which is sometimes critical to the sales process, is virtual procedure support. So I think we covered a lot of ground today. When I look at the potential for change in best sales practices that might be more virtually oriented, I actually have a little bit of hope here that it can be pulled off. It can be done. Everybody will win from it. It won't be easy, but it can be done. And people just have to put the effort in to change their sales process and all the support materials from marketing to help execute this.
1: Yeah, the great news is that a lot of this infrastructure is already in place in even the smallest of organizations. They already have a website. They are probably at least somewhat active on some kind of a social media platform. Um, they may already be doing email marketing or digital newsletters or webinars. Now it's just a matter of really using those things more. and. Sales should look work with their marketing departments and, and do an ex, exploration of, you know, what do we have? What do we want to communicate? What are we already using? And how can we leverage that and enhance our content so that it's more applicable, easier to use in a digital platform?
0: Excellent. Well, thanks a lot, Becca, for being here today to work with me on this podcast and to bounce these ideas around. And I really appreciate the work you did in advance as you were preparing this for the um, Bixel Medical Marketing Group. So um, look forward to having you back someday on the show.
1: I would love to come back and I look forward to listening to your upcoming podcasts.
0: Well, that conversation should certainly give us a lot to think about. And as you know, every week we have an immediate impact idea. Today's immediate impact idea is for you to take a hard look at your sales process and determine how it can be converted into a virtual digital process. And then determine the materials and tools you will need to support that virtual process. If you like this podcast, please recommend it, rate it, and always feel free to ask questions and or make comments. Now go when you're weak.